Hey, everybody, before we move on to our next topic, I do want to let you know about Anchor because Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place for free, just like this show, which you can use right from your phone or computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great, just like this one. And they'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere podcasts are heard, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You can easily make money from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. Get started today by downloading downloading the Anchor app, or you can go to anchor.fm. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. It's an age of resistance, an age of adorability, those cute little gelflings and podlings, an age of super creepy, gross skeleton people, an age of a crystal of truth, but most importantly, it is an age of the dark crystal age of resistance after show, which starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance After Show. Very excited to be part of the panel here on the show, talking today about episodes one, two, and three. So if you haven't watched all of those, go ahead and put a pause on us, open another window, get caught up, and then join us, including me. I'm Christian Blatt, joined by... Rachel Goodman. And... Angelica Trey. And we're all here to uh, talk about The Dark Crystal, and I think, as with so many Netflix shows, this one works really well, if you're binging it. Uh, I think that uh, we'll go through a lot of it, but I think that the first episode, at a full hour, really did a good job of, of setting it up, but if this had been another movie, that first hour would have been like 12 minutes. Like everything that happened in it would have still happened, but it just would have been really fast. So uh, let's start off with uh, talking a little bit about each of our familiarity with this world. Uh, the Dark Crystal, of course, is originally a film from 1982. If you haven't watched that, but you're only watching the Netflix show, that's going to be okay. Because I have not seen it in quite some time. And in fact, the first time that I ever tried to watch it, when uh, it was a relatively new movie... And it was on HBO. I was uh, horrified and couldn't watch more than a few minutes of it. So it took me a long time to come around. But, Rachel, I believe you've never seen it. I have never seen it, right. as far as I know. Right. It, it was probably on TV when I was a little kid all, right. all the time. And, I, you know, it looks like it, the characters are very recognizable to me. Sure. Um, but, no, I have not officially seen it. And I'm right. very excited. I'm going to wait until I've finished yeah. binging this and then I'm going to go and watch the original 82 movie. But, Angelica, I heard, a little birdie told me that you have seen it very recently. Yeah, so I actually just recently rewatched it, so it's fresh in my mind. Right. And I, did, I didn't get a chance to see it when I was younger, but I did watch it when I was a little bit older, so I don't quite have the... Um, the trauma that you might have. Yeah, there was definitely some trauma <laughs> yeah. with it, you know, because it's and look, I mean, this series uh, could also be very traumatic. They're, so you, you saw the you're telling me you saw them like on that first episode, and you're just like flashbacks, right? Yeah, I mean, I was cold glad sweats. that I didn't watch it with you, ladies, because I de- yeah, I definitely uh, broke into a very cold sweat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I I I think I changed through three shirts. Just uh, it was really uncomfortable. The after after show therapy yeah. with Christian. <laughs> we might need to do that, but. <laughs> and and how do you feel this series? I know you've only seen the first three episodes. How do you feel it works as a complement to the film? It was tonally and stylistically yeah. on point. Like, 
like so on point. The nostalgia factor here is going to be just off the charts for people. I think it's um, just really consistent with the original movie, and I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. Yeah, they slowed things down, but they're being more thorough, and it's such a beautiful world and beautiful um, set, costume, everything, um, design, that it's just, it's like, I don't know. It's From watching the movie, it was, it was like, besides the CG, maybe yeah. like not a day had passed almost. It, right, go ahead. It Rachel. definitely, I've, I have not seen the 82 movie, sure. but it definitely to me fits the flavor of a Jim Henson movie and a Jim Henson world. Yeah. In the sense, like even if you, even listening to especially the skepsis and listening yeah. to the way that they kind of, like the way the scientist kind of like chuckles at the end of a lot of his sentences or even, you know, the Chamberlain, I'm like, okay, this sounds like Frank Oz and this sounds like how we might have heard the Muppets sound. So yeah. it to me, like I feel like any Anybody who is, you know, is a Jim Henson fan is going to watch this and feel nostalgia, even if they've never seen the 82 movie. Right. Anytime there's any kind of uh, evil character in any Henson property, I mean, you can think of uh, Fraggle Rock, you can think of the original Muppet movie, uh, you know, and and, uh, visually, I feel like uh, Uncle Deadly from the Muppets is a very Skeksis-like character. I think he might actually be from the same species, just, you know, thousands of years younger. But you definitely, it definitely has that feeling. And I do like that for the characters, the main characters, it is clearly all practical effects and puppets. And to me, it's very charming that occasionally when they're walking, you're like, oh, that's probably take 53 and that's the best one they got. And they're still sort of like hopping. I, I like that it's not perfect. You know, go ahead. I, I love the hopping. I love that it, they're actual puppeteers yeah. doing this. Um, there's a charm to it that you don't see with CGI, in right. my opinion. Not that there's anything wrong with no, CGI, I, but in this particular world, yeah. it, I think it would have ruined it if we didn't get the puppeteers. And it's great. Mm-hmm. And in our special segment, we'll talk about some of the uh, the voice cast, which is really all star. The voice cast, but each character, the majority of the characters, are listed with two performers, and one of them is the puppeteer. And and one of them is is the voice character. Obviously, in the case of the original Muppets, at least back in the day, they, they were one and the same. They were the same person always. So, the, you know, that's why when you think about it, it's like you have like a few characters who sound the same on the Muppet Show because it's like, well, yeah, those five were Jim Henson. But I think that uh, it it shouldn't be brushed over the fact that yeah, the the puppeteer brings a lot to the character. And also you have these great voices. I know when we were talking about this earlier, uh, I liken it to the difference of, you know, in the Star Wars prequels, you had CGI Yoda. And it's really cool because all of a sudden he's got a lightsaber and he's jumping around. He's doing all this stuff. But then in the most recent movie, The Last Jedi, you got to see Puppet Yoda again. And you're like, oh, yeah, I do love Puppet Yoda. Yeah, I prefer just, Puppet Yoda. There's yeah. something about it. It's yeah. just charming. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that they didn't just create, you know, all CGI characters, which, I'm look, I'm sure they would have looked terrific and they would have captured the same spirit. But I like the way that they move. Yeah. And uh, so I, I find that great. And I think that they did a good job creating the world in the first episodes, but specifically, speaking of All-Star, Sigourney Weaver with the narration, thanks for just coming in for a little visit, you know, and I think it did a good job for people who either haven't seen the movie, haven't seen the movie in a while, uh, they just wanted to kind of dive in and, you know, I, I, I don't know, I mean, at least... Driving around Los Angeles, I see billboards for this show. So I don't know. Maybe a lot of people, like, they see an ad on a subway. They're like, well, what is that? And they just check out the show. It's good that you don't need to have seen the movie 
truthfully, I, did, I was not familiar with the Dark Crystal, at least on a conscious level, sure. until I heard, until I looked it up and right. saw the trailer. So I feel like a lot of people, even if they have seen this, it's been a long time, and it would you know seeing it, it kind of reintroduces them to Henson and um, the way that it can be in in this art form. Yeah, I mean, the original movie is 37 years old, and uh, look, most of the people in this building aren't 37 years old. So, you know, I think that uh, just for whatever reason, I think, you know, and look, it was not financially successful. You know, there's a reason there aren't, like, three Dark Crystal movies to catch up on, you know, and there wasn't a a, a tie-in TV series then, you know. So uh, I think I'm I'm glad, and that's kind of the nice thing about Netflix and, and a lot of these streaming services, is that you're able to, like, Sure, let's do that. And this was developed as a prequel movie at one point, and then it, it shifted into this. And I don't know, I feel like the story, at least for these three episodes, has been able to breathe better than it would in a movie. I mean, you know, I said that the that whole first episode would be like 12 minutes. The These first three episodes, which is like almost three hours, that would maybe be half an hour in a movie. You know, you'd really have to jump a lot of it. And I like getting to know all of these characters. Um, one of the things I want to do before we dive into those characters, though, is uh, Rachel has uh, a quick handy reference of some of the different clans of Gelfling. There are seven, but there's three we're going to focus on today for our first three episodes. Yeah. As we go along, we might find it's very important that here's another clan. There's So there's four other clans that I feel like we will have to talk yeah. about in future episodes of the After Show. But let's just focus on these three right now. So the first one, we have Deet, who is from the Grodden clan. That is she is the, in the cave, and they are the cave dwellers. They still, the females still have wings, but yes, they are in the caves. Then we have the Vapras, which is um, Almadra and Brea and her sisters. And then the last one is the Stonewood Gelflings, which is Ran and um, the, the ones who are guarding the crystal when we first enter um, this world. Right, and, and we see in episode three, not to jump too much ahead, but they actually go back to Stonewood, yeah. or at least Rian does. So, yeah, and, and I think that uh, those differentiations are very important because you see the way that some of these clans treat each other. Very specifically, the way that uh, people shun uh, Deet because she's green. Yeah. And uh, we were talking before the show, I kind of think she's the cutest. So, you know, I'm like, you know what? I, I think that they're just being haters, that they wish that they were as cool and as cute as, as Deet is. Actually, Deet is one of my favorite characters. Like, instantly when I saw her, I was like, yeah, especially her personality. But just kind of going off what you said, too, I feel like one of the major themes in all of this is that the Skepsis know that unity will be their downfall. And so keeping knowledge and this sense of you know, the seven clans being able to be on the same page and get along, the Skepsis know that if this happens, that it's not going to be good for them. And so they they love that there is this disharmony and this, you know, inability for the clans to actually work together and kind of see each other as equals. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what you find in any authoritarian society is any kind of <laughs> any kind of discord that you can create, especially amongst, you know, the the lower classes and you basically keep people in their own lane, it's going to be great for you and uh you know the the Skeksis are obviously very very good at that, right? Politics. Right. I mean, yeah. look, you can extend that to the you can send that to the real world, but you can also extend it to just like, you know, 
cliques and high schools and things like that. You know, I think that everybody can relate to this on really super important levels or just more casual uh, levels, you know. Yeah. So, um, but in terms of the uh, the individual clans, uh, Angelica, do you have do you have a favorite of these characters? Do you maybe identify with uh, any of the clans more so than others? Um, I mean, I guess, like, they're all so special in their own way. I don't know. I kind of like exploring each of them. Like, obviously, I think the Groton are sweet, and we all love that, like, sweet, gentle group. Yeah. But, you know, of course, you know, we have the Mountain Clan, which, can you remind me of the, the name of that? Um, so Stonewood were the ones who were... Those are warriors, right? Yeah, they were yeah. the warriors, the ones right. guarding... Right, and is the mountain, mountain. mountain clan, that's Brea and yes, Brea. her family. So, the Vapras. The Vapras. Vapras yeah. Okay, so the Vapras, you know, we need the, like, the brain, you know, the yeah. librarian, sophisticated group, you know, and, and we see it here with uh, some of our characters in that clan maybe questioning authority and things like that. And then, of course, the warrior clan, and if they all do come together, it's going to create that that force to be reckoned with. And um, I don't know if I quite have a favorite just yet, but right. obviously I think our, our warrior clan is a little, um, they're they're a little obnoxious, so they're probably right. my least favorite. They're crowd. very sure of themselves mm-hmm. and uh, very quick to believe pretty much anything uh, that they're heard. Uh, I would say... That some of us on this panel might be a, a, a little quick to uh, I- identify with uh, Dietz clan because just the idea of, you know, staying out of the sun, it, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, maybe some of us recently on Instagram have pictures of, of when we maybe shouldn't have been out in the sun. I'm not okay, going to point any you fingers. Know, I feel attacked right now. <laughs> you shouldn't. And... No, no. This is a very inclusive conversation. I mean, I like being outside, well, but it's very difficult. Take off the blindfold so yeah. that you then are at least aware that perhaps you are, you know, turning a little bit uh, lobstery. Probably a little bit. Just you guys, bit. I, I just freckle at this point. <laughs> freckle and burn, freckle and burn. There's no tan that comes out of this. I just, I just burn and then I peel. Mm, cute. <laughs> and then I burn again. Uh, freckle and burn, of course, the, uh, the famous refrain from Macbeth from the, yeah. uh, the witches. Uh, but what I do like about Deet is just, uh, you know, a creature is about to attack her, most likely eat her. Hi, I'm Deet. What's your name? Ne- she's never, like, terrified and running away. She just wants to meet everybody. She wants to be everybody's friend. Well, because she comes from that world where everything is innocent, and yeah. she was, you know, literally tucked away in a cave where everybody did get along, hmm. and everything was, har- it yeah. was harmony until the darkness. Would you say that Deet comes from a safe space? If we're going to extend it in that sense? I would say she comes from a very safe space. Yes, the safest of spaces. Quite the bubble. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. because everyone else, like even if you look at the Vapras or the Stonewood, like they are closer to the Skepsis, and we know the Skepsis are corrupt. And so they're the, the. the clans that are closer to that corruption are going to feel the effects of that. We see the farmers, their their land is, has been affected. Whereas Deet, um, she's in this cave, and um, she literally um, is kind of away from everything else. And I feel like they're the last clan to really feel the deep effects. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean... 
Is that where the darkening starts, though? Is like I underground. Well, I feel like they're the ones who are going to theoretically. They're going to be aware of it earliest because there's clearly a problem. I mean, we've got multiple farmers showing up throughout these three episodes who just can't grow anything because mm-hmm. I mean, because Thra is basically sick. It's and starting it's beca- from the earth. Yeah, and it starts from the it. crystal, and because the crystal, uh, the crystal of truth, is tied in to the world, you can see, and obviously. If it continues, the, the you know the problem will be that this will happen to the entire world and everything that uh, lives on it. Well, we'll dive into the characters in a moment, but first, I think Angelica has a very important message to share. Oh, I have a, such an important message, you guys. Um, so we want to thank you guys for being or for helping us become the ESPN of TV talk. Um, Am I saying this right? You are. I think I'm saying this yes. right. Perfect. So right now we aren't currently live. However, when we are, and if you're just watching the recording of this, we do appreciate if you guys hop on whatever platform you're on, whether it be iTunes or YouTube, and give us a little thumbs up or five stars. We really, really do appreciate it. And, of course, we guys, uh, we love reading your guys' comments. Sorry. I need another cup of coffee. That's all right. No, hey, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, watching need a cup of coffee because there's a lot of uh, of Dark Crystal to go through. And if anybody has ever watched any panel that I'm on, I've been on panels with both of you before, that uh, if there are comments on the archive version, I usually can't resist and in getting involved. I love the praise, but when people don't like something, that's usually when I'm, I'm, I'm way more focused. And I always try to respect <laughs> the opinion, but uh, there usually ends up being a, a back and You're forth. You're just going to so, just throw your dukes up? I mean, it just depends on what they're saying, you know? Okay. Uh, you know, so it's like, <laughs> like if, they have, if they went after one of you... One of you two, I, a, I think I'd have to stand up, you know? I'd be like, hey! There's a certain S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. There, <laughs> there is, a, in the Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel, there are a couple things that I didn't like. I but. already <laughs> sense an argument about, like, the best clan. Like, I can already tell the best Gelfling yeah. clan That's is true. going to be a yeah. huge comment, just debacle. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I believe that uh, you know that obviously the show premiered uh, Friday, August thirtieth. So most of you are maybe watching this now. Uh, we'll be live, I think, for let's see, uh, episode six and seven. And then uh, in the second week, so the first week of September, we'll have shows for eight and nine, and then another one for ten. So you can, we'll let you know when all of those are airing, and you can find it, and we'll give you all of our social media handles on the end. So that's how you can keep on, uh, keep in touch with us. So there's a lot of different places to start. Um, I would like to start with basically our hero for this particular story, which is Rian, who everything starts off great. They're with Mira. They're having so much fun. And I thought it was really important that in the first few minutes they dream fast so that we understand what it is and how it works. And I really love how they handled that, too, because it wasn't even just that they showed how to dream fast, but that it was a very sacred thing to do. And just watching Rian's reaction when Mira suggests it tells me that it isn't something you just do lightly and if you are going to dream fast you are sharing something very deep with another person or another you know being and you just you have you can't take it lightly right uh and i don't know angelica does it make you think of anything else from perhaps in sci-fi oh that's um definitely the, the <laughs> <laughs> which already like, flashed the we know where we're going here I'm <laughs> yeah, we, do. we, we had this conversation we yeah, had this conversation before the show but yeah, it's fine the vulcan mind melt. yeah i want to yeah i mean it's it's very it's look from 
from a storytelling device, it's great to have something like that. It's like, let me just share this information with you. Boom. Yeah. But I also think that, yeah, showing how important it is. And then when you also have, it's not called uh, dream catching. I forget what it is when you take a dream fast and you embed it into the necklace like we saw in the uh, during the tithing. So there's different levels of, and different ways to carry it out. So I think it was very important that we got to see that. And uh, if you have what that is, it's dream stitching. See, I knew it. I knew I didn't quite have it right. So yeah, dream stitching. And, and so that's when you're able to put it into uh, into like that necklace. And I, I, I just got a very strong suspicion that that will be important again at some point in the well, the next uh, seven episodes. So I, I think that uh, really building up the just sort of the relationship between the two of them, I think, did a great job sort of setting the stage for Rian being on the run, at least for these three episodes, and, you know, having that all-important weapon of knowledge, which would undo the Skeksis. So let's talk a little bit about their interactions. What did you think watching uh, Rian and Mira's story? This is obviously the first episode, because that's when we have both of them. But what did you think, Angelica? Uh, just watching their story, it was definitely kind of cute, and you know, like the what do we say, meet cute before it's this? It's a big meet cute. It yeah. was a little too romantic. I felt like there was definitely going to be trouble in paradise. Yeah, but um, it was it was adorable to watch while it lasted. Yeah, they, look, they had a good episode. And devastating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. One one episode. No, they did a great job making us care uh, about her. You know, I think that it's almost like if it had happened too early in the episode, you know, and. We we got to sense very quickly how important they were to each other. Uh, so, Rachel, your thoughts as as it starts to, it starts to become apparent what's going to happen to Mira in that first episode. I felt like it was very <coughs> foreshadowing. Yeah. The first thing that included that like kind of gave it away to me is when they're playing around after stealing the food, and suddenly Rianne looks and her clothes are on the ground and she's not there. I'm like, okay, is this signifying that something is going to happen <laughs> to this poor Gethling? Yeah. And yeah, and like I thought, you know, like I already, you know, kind of thought something had happened to her, but then obviously she flies back up. Yeah. Um, I I knew that it couldn't last, um, yeah. just because it was the first episode and it was just they were too happy. It just kinda opens with it yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, mm, there's gonna Who's be dying? some trouble here. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's going to be an adorable gelfling sized shoe that's going to drop by the end of the episode. Uh, so, yeah, and then just this terrible thing that uh, Rian sees happen, which we'll really get down down to the specifics when we talk to the Skeksis, but they literally, she becomes a, a well, not a human sacrifice, but a being sacrifice, a gelfling sacrifice, and they eagerly lap up her essence, uh, which, you know, just... Uh, Amongst the creepier sequences in yeah. the show, and there have been quite a few in these three episodes, uh, just you know the the glee with which they're like, "Oh my god, this is this is the greatest thing that we we ever could have done." And of course, you know, Rian, you know, obviously the the flight instinct to get away from there, but you're just horrified by what you're seeing, and it's almost like, "What well, couldn't possibly happen the way it looks like it is?" But uh, what did you think about when we actually saw uh, Mira? Just you know, sucked into the crystal, and uh, well, her essence being being drank. My first hope was that it can somehow one day be reversed in this world. I am holding out for that. Well, not through three episodes, yeah, but yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but 
Um, otherwise, I was just thinking, like, poor Rianne. What is he going to... What could somebody possibly do in that situation? Other than, Like, while you're forced to watch the one person you love more than anybody else evaporate. Yeah. Uh, and did... Uh did you feel for Rian, uh, Angelica, when, uh, you know, it's like, it's bad enough to have it happen, but then it's like you're watching it. You're getting to see every, like, painful detail unfold yeah. in front of you. I mean, it, it was like you could hear the anguish, and obviously, you know, we have these puppets, and it's, um, you know, a little bit harder to express that stuff, but they did it so well, yeah. and I was... I was in pain watching it and just seeing um, Mira, you know, turn into essence, essentially. Yeah. Is that... What do we call that? Ascension? I mean, yeah. Ascension? <laughs> Ascension to essence? Ascension? Okay, I like that. Let us know in the chat. You yeah, tell us yeah. what this process yeah, should be us. called. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, and it just shows the level of trust that everyone has in the Skeksis. Because all the way through it, she's, like, actually asking them to help her. And it's like, hey, dummy, they're doing it to you. They're not going to help you. They're going to help you die a little bit faster, you know, and... Uh, this is uh, one of several times where the the Skeksis as a group are they just get so carried away. They just they just sometimes like people are misunderstood and they are perceived as evil. And then other times you get characters that they just love being bad. Yeah, you know? yeah. all of them. Yeah. Even the I, ones that aren't as bad. Yeah, it's like varying degrees of badness. Even the ones you want to kind of be okay with. Yeah, you you don't like. <laughs> yeah, and I was a little impressed for a group of um, of beings that were sitting pretty for a while. For the scientists to be able to manipulate the crystal like that was kind of impressive. Yeah, I mean, I not think, cool, but impressive. Let's actually focus on the Skeksis right now because that makes the most sense. Um, we get the the sense that it's been about a thousand years that they've uh, been babysitting the crystal, and you know, like in the first hour, they started figuring out like. Oh, how can we how can we use this for for evil? Like let's use this for our own personal gain. And we, there obviously is a whole group of the Skeksis. There are uh, I think three of them that seem to be the most important at this point. But you do have some that you feel like it's a little bit of the mob mentality. Uh, ones that I, I think are identified by name, but they're not the most important ones. Where they object a little bit. That's like. No, we can't steal the essence from someone. And it's like, no, I think we can. And they're like, all right, well, let's just see what this is like. You know what I mean? I think that no one thus far through three episodes is going to take a stand against the others. I mean, but do you feel like that's an accurate way to summarize their their group think, their group interaction, Angelica, that they're are some that maybe have a little bit of a problem, but they don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of like that scene a little bit and that aspect of it because, you know, I think a villain kind of character or villain group is it's good to have that bickering within it and to show that there are those gray areas there because when it's just pure evil, you know, doom, it's it's harder to believe. So it was kind of nice to see, you know, a little bit of like a maybe moral conflict or questioning there. And then, you know, I think even one of the Skeksis pointed out that it, like it's greed and stuff like that and yeah. finding out what they're doing wrong. And so I, I liked that and it showed some internal conflict, which in turn, could show a weakness, potentially. 
Jonathan, I remember that uh, the other day you had a sketch of like a, a young Skeksis. I don't know if you can uh, find that. And there's no rush, really, because we're going to gotcha. talk about them for a few minutes. But what we learn is really just how much they've changed. Look, it's been a thousand years and they've been using that time, like leaching energy out of the crystal to basically keep themselves alive. So mm-hmm. the thing with me and the Skeksis is that I don't think they were ever good now that right. I've seen all, you know, the three episodes. Sure. Um, what they, they strike me as being politicians. Right. And not to say that every politician is bad or that every politician... Well, you, can, you know, here's what you but, can say. But, not every politician is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, a lot of what I feel like they're doing is that they they... Um, are there to kind of um, like tr- not necessarily trick people, but they will word things a certain way with the general public and they will kind of present things to be in their favor. And so with even if we look at Agra, the way that they presented things to her, we didn't actually see it. We They were kind of shown it in the beginning, but we get this idea that they they were able to trick her. And if they were able to trick her, then what's to stop them from tricking anybody else? Um, if you can trick the all-seer. And so my thing with them is even when we watch them, you know, kind of argue, not necessarily argue amongst each other, but bicker and, like, show these different levels, I feel like it's just a group of politicians in one room, like, arguing over how they can kind of, like, get away with certain things without pushing too far. Well, I I think the, the thing here is maybe they didn't even originally trick Agra, you, you know, it's like we're looking at this, you know, sketch of a young Skeksis, and they look like cute little fairy no, like birds. Pixies and yeah, yeah, they're they're cute. And and what we're watching here is is survivalism happen. You know, where it's like the over this course of a thousand years, there's this descent, and you start getting more and more desperate. And uh, you know, the more I'm sure they're alive, and they have to take from this life force. Um, or the source here, they they watch like you see yourself maybe like descend into that and like morals start getting gray and and I think that's the skexies we see now. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's a it's an oft used phrase, but it's a perfectly summarizes the skexies. I believe it's attributed to Lord Acton in the nineteenth century. It's that uh, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. So they were powerful to begin with, but then it's like. Oh, this all-powerful crystal. Can you keep an eye on that? Hey, what do you think that crystal can yeah. do? Let's find out. And they get a thousand years of, you know, and maybe they don't even, I mean, basically when Augra speaks to the crystal, the crystal tells her, it's like, yeah, right away they started, you know, started messing around with all this. But in all honesty, they probably at first were like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's, you know, they got, I think that they got tempted and they had to see what they could possibly do for themselves with it. I Yeah, see, I personally feel like they were never good and right. that, that, over you know thousand years they progressively became more corrupt yeah. but i get this feeling that even in the beginning they just knew the right things to say to agra that would allow them to gain that power right exactly yeah. i mean it's the the uh, comparison to a, a politician or a, any kind of uh, con man or con person or con being to Ooh, extend it to yeah. the wow. world of Thrawn because there are no people there, at least that we haven't met yet. What were we going to say? Nice word use. Um, I try. Yeah, beings. Uh, so, I mean, I was just going to say here, just going off of the survivalism thing, it's like watching your, I guess, and I don't know the entire origin story of Skeksis. Like, we just hear a little bit and get a snippet of this. Yeah. But 
it might be that their whole species is dying out or their you know race or whatever is dying out because we don't see any baby skexies. Well, yeah. yeah. They're, I mean, they're are, like, are, it's like pigeons. Are these like 10 <laughs> to 12? Pigeon? Yeah. yeah. These are, 10 to 12, are they the only ones? Yeah. Can they reproduce? That's, and so they yeah. have to endure this like everlasting and life. Also, like a thousand years ago, were there like 50 of them? And then they kind of uh, killed each other off. I mean, there's a lot and, of questions that we don't actually have the answers to. Or does the like, crystal make them not oh, able to have babies? did say, too, that they're not from Thra. Mm -hmm. And so where did they come from? Are there more of them somewhere else in the universe? Well, let's uh, focus on the three Skeksis that uh, are the most important. Obviously, uh, the Emperor is just sort of there to, you know, basically carry out all the decision-making. So as with any figurehead, it's the one with the most power, but the one that is the most manipulative and also easily manipulated. Because... If you if you look behind the scenes, it's really what the Chamberlain wants to happen is what happens, you know. So the scientist figures this out by almost getting sucked into the crystal himself. And then they basically pitch it to everyone. And, you know, as I said, we had the people who – not the people, but we had the Skeksis who were upset about it and like, oh, I don't know about this. But as soon as they figured out what they could do, like, this is great. Let's, you know, give ourselves this life essence. So the, the scientist – Basically, you know, comes up with the process, but of course, it gets damaged uh, during mere sacrifice. And as we see, the the scientist uh, squirrels away one little vial of the essence, and he puts it behind the very effective lock snake. That uh, <laughs> I think, I think that they should actually be marketing those. Too. And I'm not talking about uh, replicas. If they could figure out a way to have a snake actually lock things up, I think that's perfect. But the Chamberlain, being the Chamberlain, knows how to hypnotize a lock snake and. God, they looked so delicious, didn't they? Because uh, he jumped right into it. So obviously that ties into Rian's story, which is that I need to get this essence because the Skeksis had, well, the Chamberlain comes up with, instantly comes up with like, well, we just framed him for the murder, obviously. We didn't, we, you know, he saw this. Nobody's going to believe him. They're going to believe us. They always believe me. They always believe Chamberlain. And I think that, it, there's a couple different parallels to the real world, Angelica. It's like you are inclined to believe your leaders, but you're also inclined to believe information when you see it. So if you have a leader, I don't know, an emperor, a king, a prime minister, maybe a president, that whatever they say, there are certain people that just go with whatever they say. But also like, you know, we were talking earlier uh, before the show that if something's trending on social media, you're immediately like, oh, my God, somebody died just because one person tweeted it. And it's like we're very quick to believe things, especially bad things. So if the Chamberlain's like, I heard that Rihon murdered Mira, everybody's like, oh, my God, that's great gossip. I need to go tell everyone about it. What are you going to say, Rachel? Only that um, it's interesting because we were watching the like all three of the episodes. Yeah. What it really said to me is it seemed to be very representative of the fact that people feel safe with the easier information to believe. And they're not... The Gefflings have never really been given a reason to doubt the Skeksis. And so the easiest thing is, let's just believe what they're saying. Why would they lie to us? So they haven't seen the truth. And then anybody who is a truth seeker like Brea... 
um, they're really like like knowledge and truth is uh, not that that's like the most dangerous thing to the Skeksis. And so it's like very like everything's locked down from the Geflings. And we see that even with the library um, in that carriage scene and how, you know, it was just, you know, no Geflings can go to the library. Right. Ever. Yeah. No, no. We'll definitely uh, talk yeah. about that when we talk about Brea. But uh, back to the, the earlier point, Angelica, sort of your thoughts on this you know, the, the point that they're making about just misinformation and, you know, just using their power to really just for their own ends. It, it, and at this point, it's like covering their own sh- shriveled, bony parrot <laughs> asses, basically. I can see how you feel about the Skeksis here. I love them all. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I can't pick a favorite. I love them all so much. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think they're spreading... Yeah, they're spreading that misinformation because they can't have the Gelflings not believe them. And two, now they realize that the Gelflings are a life source for them. So they need to keep them close and need to keep them comfortable. Right. So when they get, uh, Rian's friend's name is Gurgen, right? Yeah. 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 So when they get a hold of him, I mean, that's somebody that you probably should kill. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but we know he's going to be delicious. So we're going to hang on to him. And then also when they send Rian's father, the, the the commander, the general, off to go find him, and they promise to help uh, to help Rian, and uh, sure they make this deal to him, and it's like great, and we'll get them both back, and then we'll eat both of their essences because that's the Skeksis, that's that's what they do. Uh, so uh, I think that the way that they approach other creatures is just complete disregard for everything else. They're only looking out for themselves. But then that extends within the ranks of the Skeksis because you get back to the Chamberlain who he's trying to steal the essence. He gets caught and somehow the scientist is the one who ends up with his with his eye being eaten out by the, uh, the pepper beetle. So um, I'm just sort of wondering, Angelica, what you think about has the Chamberlain built up this level of trust, one, with – the the rest of of Thra with the Gelflings and everything, but even within the other Skeksis, the fact that as soon as he said no, the scientist is lying, here's what really happened. They just immediately like, well, okay, well, obviously the Chamberlain's telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's been working for them so far, yeah. so why question that? Yeah, you know, and, and try to bring it down. What I want to know is how they would, you know, if I'm setting aside the movie and all my knowledge there, sure. um, how they could maintain this Gelfling diet now, this Gelfling essence diet for uh, the long term, you know? Well, so, I mean, there's a lot of them, so they'd be good for a while. You know? For a while, but not forever, just no. like the crystal. Right, exactly. The I darkening. Mean, and they're completely disregarding the fact that, look, the crystal doesn't look good. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not, it's certainly seen better days and, and they should remember. Definitely feels like there's a parallel here to something today. Hmm. So, I mean, could it possibly be that, uh, you know, that there's a problem with with, with our crystal? The, you know, our, our, our Earth, crystal. our planet is polluted and, and just uh, it's it's been made sick by... I, I don't know, perhaps the Skeksis in charge of, of our crystal. And using up resources and not I, thinking about the long term. That's I mean, a genius idea. Good job, Chris. No, I, I don't. That's not how that's I look great. at the world. I Look, I just <laughs> I just, I just live in the caves and I, I don't get out Oh, you're a Groton? Yeah, I'm totally a Groton. Like, hashtag Team Groton. But, <laughs> uh, so, I, I think that, you know, we'll obviously see, and Chamberlain seems to think that he and scientists are like bros again, because he gives them those little uh, stitched, stitched mouth 
mouth creatures. And I think scientist is like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, we're good, buddy. But it's obviously he's like, he's not going to forget. But I do think that his new eye is kind of badass because it's sort of like a one of those like jeweler's lenses or whatever. And they go, he can see way better now with that thing than he could with his with the eye that got eaten. Uh, before we run out of time, we do have some more characters to run through. And we should talk about Brea, who Obviously, the Henson Company is now owned by Disney, but back in uh, 1982, they weren't. However, there's something very Disney princess about Brea. One, she's a princess. Two, she's inside reading all day. And we know if you're a princess and you read all day, you've got, what did we talk about earlier in the show, that uh, very dangerous weapon, knowledge. So obviously, Rachel, uh, Brea is certainly, a, you know, she's a member of the royal family. She's a princess. But she's a little bit of an outcast, I, I would say, because... Who wants to read? Yeah. she. I mean, so it's not even just that, but I feel like she's the younger sister. Yeah. She's always had to prove the most um, to her mother. And I feel like that alone has made it harder for her and made her more of an outcast. But then, too, there is that drive for knowledge. And I feel like that's something that she might have just been born with. And it's just very unique compared to everybody else that we've seen um, among the Vapras anyway. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Angelica, about Brea's relationship with uh, her mom, the the Almadra, and of course uh, Tevra and Celadon? The there's the cool sister, and then there's like the the not cool sister, but she's got to be the tough one because she's going to be the Almadra one day. That of course being Celadon. Yeah. Well, there's definitely the adversity here a little bit and the sibling rivalry, but not quite. It makes it a little realistic, honestly. Um, just seeing. You know, we see uh, Celadon, right? Celadon is the that's eldest. The, that's yeah. the future Madre. And she's yeah. got a lot of pressure yeah. on her, you know, on her shoulders. Like, she's going to have to take over the reins after, you know, mother. And this is a lot of stress for her. And she kind of projects that stress, you know, on uh, Brea, our youngest here. And then, you know, Tavra is just very patient and like kind-hearted seeming and and very soft-spoken like you could tell she doesn't really speak unless she has something of meaning to say right both of her sisters get angry because they're like you're being quiet and the only time you're ever quiet mm-hmm. is when you have something really important to say yeah and then it's funny because you know because then tavra turns around and says you're both more alike than you realize i know and I, li- <laughs> I, li- I did like how angry brea got but it's like yeah well she knows both of them really well she can talk to both of them She's able to be the mediator. Oh, that, that scene I, where she's like, you're stubborn. She's like, she's the most stubborn. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was very cute. <laughs> what I loved is Brea asking, well, if I'm so much like her, why can't I talk to her? And it was that typical, well, if you have so much in common with somebody, sometimes yeah. that's exactly why you can't talk mm-hmm, to them. That butting heads. Yeah. Right. And so we get a bit of a supporting cast around Brea. We have the librarian who uh, knows a lot. And uh, trying to keep some information from loves the fact that she likes to read, but the fact that she retains the knowledge, processes it, and comes up with the educated hypotheses about the world, he gets very upset. But in like trying to keep her from things, he gives her lots of vital information that helps her go on a lot of different things. Uh, so I, I find the the character of the librarian is, is actually very funny because it's like. 
if you had just kept your mouth shut, she probably wouldn't have figured a lot of this out. Well, and also, it isn't even just that, but he was bringing her books. Right, yeah, and exactly. And fulfilling a lot of her requests. So it isn't like he was completely against her learning. Right. It's just that when she started asking the tougher questions, right. he was like, yeah, no, but he brought her the books. So. I know. Well, it's just like, you know, if somebody wants a, you know, a stack of 12 books and you're a librarian, you get super excited, which is a great library. It's got the little spiral staircase yeah. and everything. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> and it's all fun and games, right, until you demand the truth. Right, exactly. <laughs> And he's just like, oh, no, I can't share that. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, interaction that Brea had uh, in episode two with uh, Elder Kadia and just the, you know, the very quick, like, I'm going to just drop my flashy money here and switch our drinks. And the fact that in episode three, we see the extent to which Elder just doesn't remember anything. I was expecting a princess bride moment with that, and right. that it, it they would were turn both up. Poisoned. They were both poisoned, but that somehow it wouldn't affect her. Right, exactly. That yeah, I did wonder about that. Yeah. I was just like, are we? Am I overthinking this? But yeah. uh, it just showed how quick on her feet she is, and she like knew that well, like we can't, we can't trust these people. But obviously, she's also helped by uh, by Annika, who we see in episode three has uh, taken advantage of the fact that Elder Kadia doesn't remember anything. She's like, Wait, I'm an elder now. She's yeah. like, I gave myself the promotion that I've deserved for I a very long time. I kind of loved that moment, yeah, I thought though, that was great. Because Kadia just seemed a little condescending, to be uh, honest. Just a bit, yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, look, he was going to try and make Brea forget everything that she knew. Like, not just about the, the symbol and everything she was trying to find out. She just wouldn't have remembered anything if she had drank that. Yeah, yeah, not cool, Kadia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the whole thing is that, obviously, we see what happened to him. Yeah. Can you imagine if she had, like, had that potion? It would have done... What would they have done to him? And my thought is they probably wouldn't have done anything to him because no. he's the, like he would have come up with some reason for protecting the real, you know, protecting you know her from harming herself. And then she, they would just let it go no, because her, her ignorance mother, is better than yeah. Power. Her mother would have been upset, but would have known like, well, he did it because she was asking the wrong question. Yeah. So she, and, if she had kept all those books closed and just worried about being pretty, then everything would be yeah. fine. Yeah, and like when I say ignorance is better, obviously in his mind. Oh well, yeah, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, no, I think you mean well, for the world. I, I, I think wow. ignorance is very important, wow. actually. Yeah. You see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Angelica's a little triggered. Knowledge is power, okay? <laughs> Let's just butt heads here. We're going to fight this whole time about this. But that's why it's sure. so funny that her mother gets so mad that she did this. Because obviously that's, you know, there's a problem. It's like, yeah, but he was trying to do it to me. Yeah. And so she ends up in the Order of Lower Service, which I love the name of. It's just like, oh, yeah. And having to bathe the podlings was very hysterical. Definitely some lighthearted moments needed on a show that can be a little heavy. And first of all, the podlings are adorable. But watching them want to play in the dirt and run around, it's just like, well, anybody who's ever given a child a bath, and I give two children a bath most nights, they're my children, by the way. Don't don't uh, assume other things. Uh, so I, I I thought it was very it was just very reminiscent of like okay yeah this is like just trying to give any kid a bath and just like a note on the podlings. So we were watching with the subtitles and oh, yeah. literally it was like farting noises when they were yeah. like spitting yeah. out their tongue. Yeah. I was dying. I was like oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cute little moment and it was definitely very very like playful and lighthearted. Yeah, but clearly Brea realizes like yeah this is not for me. I don't need the little jingle hat. I got to get out. And that's, I think, a great moment for Tevra. Her sister is like, oh, yeah, good for you. You got to go do your thing, you know. And so uh, we'll pick up her story when we talk about uh, episode four. But uh, one of her other big heroes, of course, is Deet, 
who might be some people on this panel's favorite me. Uh, but I think that her story is good. And uh, obviously the importance is sort of her story really begins with the tree. Right, Rachel? So uh, your thoughts is when we're sort of introduced to that and how you think that might factor into the rest of the series. Well, OK, so seeing like that quick montage of visions yeah. and knowing that there's a prequel and I don't want to get in or knowing that there is something that comes after the prequel. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into prediction territory, but just the fact that we see D and we see that the darkness has corrupted her in this vision. Mm-hmm. It just gives me ideas that if she does not succeed, you know, obviously this will happen to everybody we know. And but like, I guess the whole thing, though, is that for somebody who has been tasked for such a burden, she is handling this in a very positive light. Yeah. Um, and she is still very chipper and then loving. If this had been me and I had gotten <laughs> these visions and suddenly my family was like, oh, yeah, off you go. Go above ground I, for the first time ever. I don't to be fair, think... maybe she interpreted the visions well, differently, you know? Maybe. maybe she went through a punk phase with the black <laughs> eyeliner. Maybe, but I just don't think I would be as cheerful as she is. But hey, that's a testament to her and how she's handling this. But fortunately for Deet, she has Hup, who is another one of my favorite characters uh, from the time we meet him. And obviously just helping her, you know, survive some of the creatures that they encounter, but also just the simple fact she'd never been above ground. She didn't know the difference between the sun and the moon. Uh, Talk a little bit about Deet and Hup's interaction, Angelica. Deet and Hup are, they're such a fun, like, duo and like a good dynamic here because D is so not quite like I I guess she's kind of earnest but also very just innocent and then we have Hup here who's he wants to become you know this warrior and so it's it's a really lighthearted duo for what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish here and it's um that bar fight scene was just very it was like character defining for Hup and and it's a I don't know. I, I like this couple here. I'm not saying like I ship them or anything, you know, because yeah. I, I think Deet needs to focus on her journey here. Right. She doesn't. She doesn't need to get uh, slowed down by all this stuff. But I will say that Hup uh, immediately uh, takes a liking to her. But I would say that Hup is definitely shipping the two of them from the moment she gives him a kiss because all of a sudden he's like, wait, what? Yeah, oh, that- is that happening? <laughs> all right. So you know what? I'll go to jail for you, whatever. Yeah, that so, face that yeah. he makes is just yeah. perfect. I know. And that's, that's the great thing about uh, about the, you know, the, the Jim Henson company and their ability to make, you know, yeah, the Muppet characters are not particularly expressive, but the fact that they can also make these creatures that you can really see what it is. Now... I know, Rachel, the sort of brief interaction, the meet not so cute between Deet and Rian has you spinning off in your own direction. Yeah. I'm totally loving that meet cute. Yeah. And I can, they're the two that I'm now shipping, even though I'm really upset about Mira's death, um, if she does not come back. So you're conditionally shipping them. If I'm Mira stays dead, okay, I guess he should find love somewhere else. Yeah. But. If she does stay dead, then uh, if, sorry. If she doesn't, then you obviously want them to get back together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I think that uh, I think that's a that's a fair assessment. But yeah, they have the the very sort of very rom com interaction. Uh, would you go so far, uh, Rachel? For this is for our fans of Agents of Shield. Do you think they could be the Fitz and Simmons of this show? Nobody could be the Fitz okay. and Simmons. I of figured any that show. that was the answer, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. Fitz Simmons is my OTP, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard. Uh, and, okay. Fair and, enough. Yeah. And winding down with the characters, we talked a little bit about Agra, who 
in a way, at one point, was the boss of the Skeksis. But now they're like, ah, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Except she totally knows what she's talking about. So that's where they throw her out of the castle. And they're like, yeah, you don't get in there. But of course, I like how she plays into this this reputation that she has. So the basically the, the, two, the two creatures guarding her, she's like, yeah, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to like eat your eyes or whatever she even says. I forget exactly what it is because there's obviously other E-I- e- eye eating in this series. But I just like that. And then they're like, all right, get out of here. And she's just like, oh, look, the crystal is right here. Great. So uh, I wanted uh, to talk to both of you about Agra just in general and, and what she's able to learn from I Crystal. love Agra. I love her. Yeah. She's great. Um, I think uh, she really does play off of the the tales here because uh, from what we see, she's clearly not as all-knowing and omnipotent as as her, you know, like story or history that's spread throughout, you know, all of Thra has been so we see that she doesn't even know what's going on and she has to discover it and she has to play off of you know her reputation here and sort of take advantage of that so that she can do what her original job was which is guarding this crystal right and i think that uh, obviously she gets all the information she needs uh, she sees exactly what they did how they sacrificed mira and she's like oh this is this is terrible and she sets off under her own course of action. Just uh, any uh, final thoughts on Agra before we jump into our special segment? Just that it was amusing that this the Skeksis did not want her to go anywhere near that crystal. And conveniently, she walks right past it. I just thought that was, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of that hilarious. very convenient. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I thought it was funny. Like, I was just like, you would think they would have had it, like, locked down in a place where they knew she was not going to go anywhere right. near. I, but again, they're so sure of themselves. I thought it would have been funny if she just walked right past it and then all of a sudden like backed up like hey there it is she kind of did that um so uh for our special segment throughout the course of this show we're going to go through some of the voice cast we're only going to talk about a couple right now so that uh because we're uh pretty much out of time but i know from the very beginning rachel there was somebody you were very excited about it's not someone that i'm familiar with but i wanted you to share your excitement so i am a huge outlander fan yes i know droughtlander is upon us but not so much because Catriona Balf, who plays Claire in Outlander, is also Tavra, and it's really kind of funny for me because every time I hear her as the character, I hear Claire in Outlander, and I just my brain can't separate it. Um, so I'm really excited about her, but then also Mark Hamill as the scientist. Those were my two like. Oh, yeah. hey, no, Mark that Hamill. was great. I mean, because yeah. yes, everybody knows Mark Hamill from Star Wars, but also, I mean, he's done a lot of voice work. But his his voice of the Joker and the Batman animated series and a lot of the the animated movies they've had, it's. It's hard to really compare uh, anybody else with he, that. So. He does evil so well. He does, yeah. yeah. But I think yeah. because the dark side is very strong within <laughs> the real Mark Hamill. Hashtag not my Luke. <laughs> well, no, I don't know about that. Yeah. But yeah, I would say that the scientist is is not my Luke. Uh, just <laughs> a couple of the other uh, big ones. Uh, Taron Egerton is Rian, who a lot of people know from the Kingsman movie, the two Kingsman movies. And also he was Elton John in, in Rocketman. And he sang those songs in that movie. So uh, cool. maybe he's going to break into song in this show. We don't know. Uh, and then uh, a couple of the other uh, major characters, uh, not a particularly familiar name, but uh, Deet is an actress named uh, Natalie Emanuel, who is one of the leads in uh, Hulu's Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is on right now. Uh, Madra Farah, who is the Madra of the wooded uh, area. Uh, that's Lena Headey from uh, Game of Thrones. 
also the TV version of Sarah Connor from the Terminator TV show. Uh, Elder Kadia was Eddie Izzard. And uh, that was a that was a pretty great uh, a, a great appearance because he's uh, fantastic, and the librarian is Toby Jones. Who, if you Google him, you'll you'll know who he is. There's some uh, the, oh the other one I want to mention is the Chamberlain, of course, is Simon Peck. So we'll have some others that we'll talk about in, in coming weeks, and we'll talk about uh, some of the actual puppeteers as well. But we are out of time now, and uh, if you found this episode. You should be able to find our conversation also for episodes four and five after you watch that. You'll find it in the same place you found this. But until then, Angelica, where can people find you? Uh, so I'm Angelica Trey, and the people can find me on most social medias at A-Trey, A-Y-Y-T-R-A-E, and Instagram at Angelica Trey. And Rachel, where can people find you? Um, everyone can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman or on my author pen name at Rachel Radner Author on Instagram. And you can find me, Christian Blatt, on Twitter and Instagram, at ChristianDMZ. And if you want to find out more about some of the real-world problems with the real-world Thraw and the real-world Crystal and the real-world Skeksis, check out The Trump Report, Tuesdays at 4 Pacific, right here on AfterBuzz TV. That's all the time we have for now, but we'll see you guys next time. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.